0: Hey now, we are getting over, and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times. Data With instant analysis of NXT TakeOver 36. That's right, Getting Over is back just minutes after NXT TakeOver 36 went off the air from the Capitol Wrestling Center in Orlando, Florida. The Silver King is here, vintage Chris Vanini, has joined me and we're going to break down everything that happened on this very special, very good NXT TakeOver that may or may not be the end of an era for this brand. We are going to find out in the coming weeks and months what fate has in store for NXT, but tonight we are focused On TakeOver 36, this is an instant analysis, we're getting quick into the show, off the intro, so a reminder what you need to know about the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. It's all about the five. It is all about the five right here on Getting Over, so go ahead. Stop being marks. Go back to being marks for the Silver King Adam Silverstein vintage Chris Vanini and the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, drop a five star rating and review. Tell people why you love the show. Tell them why they should listen. Every rating and review greatly helps us. Also, please do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. Not only do we tweet during every show, we do pre and post show polls on there, which many of you participated in. And over the last two days, we've done two. Live shows, one for 30 minutes, one for 45 minutes ahead of SummerSlam and NXT TakeOver. In fact, Chris, we have not just done two shows in the last couple of days, we have done six shows, this one being our sixth in the last four days. We take care of you getting overheads. And the way we take care of ourselves here on the Instant Analysis Podcast, something we do very special for these shows. We begin by cracking open a cold one. And the Silver King, oh, that was completely filled to the top. It's a great start to the show. The Silver King is drinking a strawberry vanilla truffle from Southern Grist Brewing in Nashville, Tennessee. It's a sour, not a big sour beer drinker, but this one just sounds incredible, Chris. What do you have over there?
1: I have, oh, the top's on pretty tight here. I got to get my nail under it.
0: I have, uh, there we go. Last
1: night, I had the uh, Truly Hard Seltzer Blueberry, Mm. which I highly recommended. It was honestly delicious. I now am trying the Raspberry Lime.
0: We'll see if this is uh, any good. We will. Uh, Look, we got a lot to talk about tonight. We had a lot to talk about on our WWE SummerSlam Instant Analysis Podcast because a lot happened on SummerSlam. So if you happen to miss that show, go back into our archives. It's the most recent show. Make sure you listen to that before... Raw on Monday, or even if you don't watch Raw before SmackDown on Friday, because we cover a lot from SummerSlam that you absolutely do not want to miss. But this indeed is the NXT TakeOver 36 Instant Analysis Podcast. And the way we start these after we crack open the cold one is we talk about our pre-show grades. Now, Chris, I think when we did the NXT TakeOver preview, we forgot to give our own pre-show grades. Does that sound correct? Yeah, I don't remember giving it. Yeah, I don't remember doing it. So this is what we'll do. Uh, We'll tell you what you guys, the listeners thought. And I'll just kind of tell you what my expectation was going into the show. Uh, You, the listeners, 55% came in with an A, 33% B, 11% C, and 1% D to F. I I still don't know who these people are that do D to F. But man, why (laughs) troll? Why do that? You know, TakeOver is not going to be a D or an F show. That's 88% saying A or B with a heavy majority uh, leaning for an A. I never, I almost never project an A show, but I will say going into this takeover, when I thought about it, when I sent this tweet, I would have said A minus to B plus. I probably would have landed on A minus just because of how strong this card was. So going in, Chris, you know, we'll be honest with what our expectation was and later what the reality was about what did you expect from this show?
1: I was with you, B plus A minus type of range. Uh, the the results, I think we generally knew what was going to happen with the big ones. With, with I the, think the, with the, I with the picked matches. every
0: result, which was not surprising given the booking. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, and and um, maybe you but, too. I think you did too. No, no, I I picked Walter. I think I picked Walter, oh. but but so that's where you kind of lean on the B plus because there's not a match where you're like, oh man, I don't know who's going to win this, but. I was wrong on one of them, and I was pleasantly wrong on that yeah. one. So, uh, yeah, I was probably in that same range. It was a predictable show, but not at all predictable in a bad way. And in, in, in fact, NXT—I've so I, I, been—I I've been, mean, I've been told that sometimes predictable things are good. Yeah, Chris,
0: you're right. Sometimes predictable things are good. Sometimes predictable things are good. But the truth is. Takeovers are largely predictable, but that doesn't make them any less incredible. And this is a perfect example of that. So let's get into the card. Now, normally you guys know, I go by what I find to be the most important or the best thing I work my way down. In this particular case, I wanna go in reverse card order. I wanna start with the main event and work through because it'll give us a little bit of a picture on how this card um, unfolded, even though it's a little bit in the reverse order. And the main event, of TakeOver 36 was the NXT Championship on the line, carrying Cross defending against Samoa Joe. William Regal approached Joe backstage. He said he was proud of Joe for getting back in the ring and he needs to remain unbiased, but he wants him to kick Cross's ass. <laughs> Joe looked just like himself right from the bell. He hit an insane Tope Suicida shoulder tackle outside early in the match and definitely looked shaken up from it. Then he hit Cross with a power slam and accidentally dumped Cross on his head, but he seemed to be okay. Joe landed a belly-to-belly suplex, inverted atomic drop, and a senton for a near fall. Joe locked in the coquina clutch, but Cross countered it into the Cross jacket. Joe got out of it, hit a uranagi, avoided a running forearm, the, the finisher for Cross. Then Joe finally lifted Cross off the top rope and hit the muscle buster, which we have not seen in years, including when he was active in WWE, he stopped doing it a long time ago, I think because he hurt someone with it or something yeah, like that. Tight, tight when he injured Tyson Kidd. I when he injured Tyson Kidd, there you go. To become the new and first three-time NXT champion. This was quite good. And to quote Michael Cole, it was indeed vintage Samoa Joe and, you know, vintage Chris Vanini. I, I didn't even actually put the that Cole says that all together when we gave you that nickname. But regardless. <laughs> um. The suicide dive early did legitimately concern me because it appeared as if Joe was shaken up. So I seriously hope, and honestly, I hate to even put it out there in the universe. I just hope it was not another concussion because he was shaking things off. And, you know, sometimes like you can get dizzy and like, you know, you can do something you haven't done in a while and it kind of knocks you around a little bit. I just really hope it wasn't something serious like a concussion. If so, that could very well be the end of his entering career. Let's hope it's not. Anyway. The match was good, not great. That's what I expected. I expected a good match. You're not going to get a great match from Karrion Cross, And the only ones you have gotten that were great from him were with Finn Balor, who doesn't have the ring rust that Samoa Joe does, or the five-way match where Cross only did so much in the match. I went 3.75 stars and a B+. I don't want to say that's generous necessarily, but the finish was perfect. We got the damn muscle buster, which popped me. And the booking was not only correct, but strong. It was a very good match. It was a legitimate main event. It was not the best match on the show. And because of that, I think NXT should have reordered the way they booked the, the card. Top oh, yeah. Yeah, the the whole order of the card was surprising for many
1: reasons we'll get into. But no, this was I I had low expectations for this match because of Cross and because of Joe and, and Ring Rust. And instead, it was it was a fair good match. It was very enjoyable. There were lot of big spots The crowd was into it um, the the crowd aside from a couple chants that we'll get into crowd was good for for, for the show they added to the show and uh, sometimes NXT's had some problems with that recently but yeah I mean a lot, lot of action not a ton of downtime um, it's still pretty short I don't remember uh, I don't know if I have the time on it let me see it was actually 12 minutes 24 seconds I was thinking at least 15 um,
0: but yeah, it it was good, and everyone knew he, what the result would be. There was no reason to drag it out. I mean, yeah, you know, no, no. you know, sure. I always complain about short matches, but with two hosses like this, I yeah. mean, it was a okay. uh, yeah.
1: But, and by the way, this is is this, is this big meaty man slapping meat? Or, or is that official? I would uh, say call so. it if you want to call it. Call it. Yeah, I, I think so. Absolutely, big meaty men slapping meat. On here. <laughs> big meaty man slapping meat. <laughs> it was,
0: it of course was. Yes, yes, and and
1: uh, the one thing, speaking of the crowd, um no scarlet on the entrance she hasn't been
0: there she hasn't been there for like two months
1: i know yeah but as the crowd as he was doing his entrance uh crowd was chanting we want scarlet we want scarlet like over the music and stuff like that so it was noticeable and it was an inauspicious start because in your mind you're thinking you're going back to like wwe raw carrying cross um but then the two delivered in the match and you kind of forgot about it by the end
0: What's incredible is Cross has been like up on Raw for a month, and this was better than anything he's done on Raw. Like, it's not surprising, of course, because it's NXT, but it just goes to show that even someone like Cross, who isn't great in NXT, is so much worse on Raw. I mean, Mm. everyone's worse on Raw in particular, let alone the main roster in totality. But yeah, I mean, look, the truth is this is actually the sound drop I should have played. No one would know better than Samoa Joe. The beef flew in this match. I thought it did its job. It did the NXT championship justice. I'm excited to see what happens next with it. I just seriously hope that Samoa Joe is okay after that match. It was cool to see that crowning moment for him, especially after like, I don't know how long it's been, 18 months, two years, not having wrestled. For him to be able to do that, I mean, it just felt good to me as a fan, someone who really likes him, that he was able to celebrate like that. So let's move on to what was, I mean, it was really a, a try main event, uh, you know, this yeah. show. There were five matches and three of them were main <laughs> yes. event caliber matches. Yeah. It, was, it was crazy. Uh, best two of three falls, Adam Cole versus Kyle O'Reilly. Fall one was a pinfall or submission finish. Cole hit a standing shining wizard, but O'Reilly caught Cole trying for the Panama sunrise, folded him over and hooked his ankles for the one, two, three in just a couple of minutes in a shockingly fast pinfall that... I didn't love and I don't think the crowd loved, but it's also not that out of place, Chris, when it comes to best of three fall matches to get one of them, whether it's the first or second one, out of the way relatively quickly.
1: Right. Right. It it was it was uh Yeah, I, had, I had nothing really to say. Although then it was pretty quick and not surprising that sometimes it is quick. And it, it, it set it up where um you knew the second because we weren't sure we we thought it was possible that um that it could be two falls. So it it set it up then going into the second one for an interesting, you didn't know which way it was going to go.
0: And fall two was a street fight. O'Reilly immediately put a trash can on Cole's head outside and drop kicked him from running off the ring apron. Cole ran O'Reilly gut first into the announce table, uh, punished the area, the gut with a steel chair and ran his midsection into the ring post. O'Reilly covered up anticipating last shot. Uh, So Cole hit him with a kendo stick and then used it for a backbreaker before putting him in the lockjaw, which is Britt Baker's finishing move. They hit each other with three straight punt kicks simultaneously and both wrapped chains around their fists. O'Reilly then threw Cole off the elevated stage into the hockey glass. Cole threw O'Reilly off the top rope into two upright chairs, spine first, and then hit last shot for the 1-2-3 to win the second fall. This was by far the best fall of the entire match. It was the meat of the match, the midsection of the match, uh, and we'll get into kind of why I felt that way. Did you have anything to say about this or can I just keep going?
1: No, other than it was properly brutal for for what it needed to be when you're going to make Street Fight, the second one coming off of regular
0: matches, the first one, uh, and it, it needed to get brutal and it did. It did. So fall three was a steel cage. Trainers ran in immediately after the pinfall that I just mentioned to help O'Reilly as the cage started closing. Cole attacked him and power bombed him into the side of the announce table. Cole dragged him back inside and the cage finally finished closing. O'Reilly came to life and hit a flying knee to the back of Cole's neck as he was elevated between the ropes. He missed another, Cole landed last shot and O'Reilly hit him with his own finisher for a 2.5 count. Cole delivered a low blow and hit a Panama Sunrise from standing flat on the top rope for a near fall. Then Cole handcuffed O'Reilly to the top rope. But after two super kicks and some taunting, O'Reilly caught a third, He caught his foot, immediately put him in a heel hook. He had extra leverage from the ropes and Cole quickly tapped out with O'Reilly going over in the win. Now the crowd immediately chanted bullshit after the finish. And I did a double take because I thought for a second I'm like wait a minute, did they just Montreal screw job him? Because I wasn't directly looking at like how he tapped out and I mm-hmm. thought at first, oh maybe he didn't tap out the canvas. But he did fully tap out. There wasn't any screw job or anything like that. I didn't love the finish. And there was a kendo stick right there within Adam Cole's reach. But it was a perfectly acceptable finish to the match. I just felt like it came way too abruptly. Once you involve handcuffs, though, there's basically nowhere else to go. It certainly wasn't bullshit like the crowd said, that's for sure. The street fight portion of the match was fantastic. The first and third fall, though, for what they were individually, were very, very weak. This was the most disappointing match on the show, all things considered. But the crowd played a role in that because they were lame basically the entire time. Because this crowd, this NXT crowd that never changes, it's the same people every week, they cheer Adam Cole and they boo Kyle O'Reilly. And it doesn't matter that KOR is a face and that Cole is the heel and has been the heel. So... I actually went 4.25 stars and an A for this match. I wrote it down. But now that I'm breaking it down and kind of reading it back, I'm actually going to downgrade it a little bit because the street fight was great, but it was not the only portion of the match. And the first and third fall need to be taken into account. So while I'm doing this live, I'm changing my grade to four stars and an A minus. The wrestling was good. The second fall was really good. But this match did not stand out the way I expected it to.
1: Yeah, I was thinking 3.75, and I I liked the finish setup where it's super kick after super kick, and it's brutal, and then he gets him in the submission. That was a cool moment, but then it was over real quick. Like, I thought he was going to hold it for a bit, drag it out, and then you submit. It It was a notably quick tap out. Right after a match that also ended in a quick tap out from a submission. So yeah, it was, it was disappointing. And the, the bullshit chant confused me too. I was asking people on Twitter, wait, what were they chanting about? Was it just that he lost? Were they mad that he lost? Cause I don't watch AEW every week. So I didn't realize that was the case, but uh, um, yeah, it was, it was fine. I've never been in love with this feud. Like I was Cole Gargano and. Uh, oh yeah. just so, didn't come close to that. Yeah. So I, I I got what they were going for with the finish. I think if they had just dragged it out longer before he tapped, it would have made a big difference.
0: I think the idea was that he had leverage from standing up and being on the ropes and being handcuffed to it. But what would have been nice is if earlier in the third fall in the in the cage, O'Reilly had tried the heel hook and it didn't submit him. And therefore, when he got handcuffed and he put the heel hook in, let's say he wrapped his other arm around the rope and and pulled himself up almost figure eight style, right? To mm-hmm. add additional leverage. And then of course, you need the kendo stick to not be there because all he had yeah. to do was grab the kendo stick and bash him over the head with it. So that was probably unfortunate that the stick just happened to be in that spot. But in totality, it just, it wasn't as good as it could have been. And it didn't even come close to being as good as it could have been. And it wasn't as good as their prior matches were, at least not one of them. So- I found it disappointing. Um, but it was still disappointing yet good. So like what are we yeah. even it's not even a complaint. It's just like, and man, this could it, have been better, you know?
1: And, and and it also comes back to the stipulations. I mean, opening up with a regular match is kind of boring. Yeah. And then you finish with a cage match, and it didn't really matter in the end, because it was it was a submission finish, guy was handcuffed to the ropes. Like
0: so And also he's handcuffed to the ropes. You can escape the cage, leave the cage.
1: Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, right. this, uh, th- th- that's what I mean. Like, yeah, th- th- it was a weird set of stipulations. If that's the match you're going to if that's the match you're going to do.
0: For sure. Now, um, as far as what's next for Adam Cole, which, as we said, is really the big topic coming out of this match. I do have a little insight on it. And if you guys don't want to be potentially spoiled, I'm not even going to say spoiled. I'm just going to say potentially spoiled because we don't know anything. OK, then I would skip like the next, let's say, two minutes of this podcast you want to fast forward, starting now. Uh, But as I said, with Adam Cole, we can only guess. As I suspected, Chris, during our live pre-show on Twitter Spaces, there was a tweet immediately after it ended that seemed to indicate that Cole would not be staying in WWE, but did not say so directly. It came from a reporter. The Young Bucks and Britt Baker also made references to Cole on their Twitter accounts immediately after the match. None of them direct, but both of them seemingly pointing to something. So it actually does, despite me thinking the opposite, it does seem like he's leaving unless all of this is a big troll and maybe they're just kind of doing it to stir things up. And it's possible, of course, that he hasn't decided yet. What we do know is his NXT contract is expiring tomorrow. Like it expires at the end of today. Um... And he can technically show up on AEW Wednesday if he wants. There's no 30-day clause. There's no 90-day clause. He can just show up there. Now, this is what I'll say. It's going to be a huge disappointment for me if that's what ultimately happens. Not because I don't like AEW or I don't want him over there. He will do great there. But their current roster to TV time ratio, it is ridiculous in terms of size and big names. And we already talk about people basically never being on TV there. I have no idea how that's going to work if they keep adding big names and don't keep adding TV time. The roster is massive and they are they just added multiple people and apparently are going to add Daniel Bryan and Bray Wyatt also. So mm-hmm. how do you get these people on TV? I just don't know where with WWE... You can say a lot of people were mishandled in WWE over their careers if you want. Some I'll argue with, some I won't. Adam Cole was booked perfectly from the day he arrived in NXT to the day he's leaving NXT, whether that is for WWE or whether that is for AEW. Sure, is there concern about possibly going to the main roster for anyone? Absolutely, there is. But with Triple H in the organization, with Shawn Michaels being there, both of those guys doing so much for Cole and knowing that WWE on the main roster right now has a need, actually has a need. It's tough to even say that for top tier talent that can cut promos and do business and get people over and get themselves over. I was excited for Adam Cole on the main roster. I thought it was going to be a huge opportunity. If that does not ultimately happen, I'm just going to be massively disappointed and it has again it has nothing to do with me liking one or or liking I like both companies, I like all brands. Well, sorry, three of four brands. I don't like Raw. Um, but I just, if that's what happens, I think my initial reaction to it is going to be almost disappointment and also why. Like, I, I'd like to hear from him. Other than Britt Baker, his girlfriend being there, I'd like to know why he would make that decision, what he saw there that he didn't think he could achieve in WWE.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't think the Young Bucks and Britt Baker make that Make those jokes if it's not happening. It wouldn't coming make sense off,
0: to coming
1: yeah. off of CM Punk, you know, and everybody teasing it and and it clearly happening. It, it it would only hurt them to like make people think that they're gonna get Adam Cole and then not get him. <laughs> like so, I that 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 leans in that direction too. I'm sure Britt Baker being there played a role. He he had the lockjaw in on this match. He used Britt Baker's uh, submission finisher. Um, so you know we talked about this on. The pre-show, our Twitter space's pre-show, in that, you know, I thought it was a real shame that Undisputed Era never made it to the main roster. And you pointed out correctly that a big reason for that was because NXT moved to USA, moved to two hours, and they were going to be the anchor of that show. And they were, and then the pandemic hits and everything's all messed up. And it's it's a real, it's a real what if of just if they if they don't go all in on NXT like that, if something else happens and they get Undisputed Era, a real faction that was so over that never really made the main roster together, uh, just just a real unfortunate turn of events that had never worked out that way. And if Cole is indeed gone and that's really the end of almost all of this, uh, it, it, it would be a real shame. What would Cole do in AEW? I'm sure he'd be on, on BTE again all the time, resurrected from the dead after he was killed off <laughs> many years ago. Right. Um, do you put him in with br- some? I, I, I don't know. There there are so many people there in so little time. I, I don't know, but I'm sure. The idea of being with his girlfriend full time is, is,
0: I have to imagine, a big
1: factor. Oh, yeah. Factor and his good friends. I mean, there's yeah. he
0: has every reason to go to AEW. He does. He also has plenty of really good reasons to stay in WWE. That's why it just seems to me like almost not so much. Why would you just go with the crowd over there? But there's so much happening all at once. You watch Dynamite and Rampage and you see outside of CM Punk, obviously, it was very unique, but you see like Miro get a five second promo. You see Andrade get doing the same thing backstage every single week. Um, Malachi Black has made he's been there like two months or three months. He's made. I think, two total appearances and maybe cut one additional promo. So, you know, maybe that's attractive. And maybe wrestling on Dark against some of these developmental talents is attractive to people. Um, and maybe there's a work-life balance that you can make the same money and do a lot less work. And if that's the case, I mean, that's a no-brainer, right? If, that, if, that's, if Tony yeah. Khan is paying contracts equal to WWE and you barely yes. have to work, I mean, that makes all the sense in the world, right? Yeah, and that, and that's something CM Punk and Tony
1: talked about in the Scrum after after the Rampage where CM Punk basically said, like, wrestlers are allowed to have a life if you want to take some time off because someone's having a baby. Like, you have no problem doing that kind of stuff. So certainly could be a role as well. Obviously, we don't know what the financials are.
0: Yeah, so we'll have to find out. We'll see what happens with Adam Cole. Going into TakeOver, I felt he was staying. Leaving TakeOver, I feel he's leaving. And as I said... Through we'll no bias, yeah. Through, yeah, through no bias, just pure uh, sentiment of wanting to see as much of him as possible. That to me is a little bit disappointing. What was not at all, in any possible way, disappointing, was the NXT UK Championship match Ooh. between Walter and Isla Dragunov. I tried to keep my match description short. On this instant analysis, because it is supposed to be an instant analysis. I trimmed this down by like 33%. I can't get short. Okay. This, Let's this take match, this ride.
1: This what? match, by the way, was 22 minutes. It was three minutes shorter than a Riley Cole that had three falls in it.
0: Okay. Perfect. Right. And this thing, by the way, could have gone 50 and I would have savored yep. every second. of Yep. It. Okay. Yep. Um, I mean, Draganov would have died, but yes. Yeah, of course. But I want to take this ride, all of us together. All right. So Dragunov caught Walter mid-pounce in the air and slammed him in a really cool spot early. He also caught one of his chops. Walter completely lifted him from a submission onto the top rope and just chopped his ass off of it outside. Then Walter powerbombed Dragunov into the ring apron and destroyed him with a German suplex inside the ring. Walter caught Dragunov with an awesome twisting uranagi and two monster clotheslines for a near fall. Dragunov came back with a German suplex and a pump handle style suplex for a near fall, as blood blisters covered his entire collarbone and his entire shoulder blade area because Walter just kept going to the back of the neck. Dragunov hit a falling missile dropkick and a senton bomb in succession, but Walter caught Torpedo Moscow into a sleeper hold and came back with an overhead German suplex. Dragunov immediately recovered and hit Torpedo Moscow, first to the back of Walter's head and then right to the front for a 2.9 count. Dragunov caught Walter with a superplex and another missile dropkick, but Walter answered with one of his own and a powerbomb for a 2.9. Walter slapped Isla across both sides of his face, hit a knee right to the chest, and a powerbomb plus a monster splash, which is how he won their first match, for a 2.99 count and an incredible false finish. Dragunov kept countering Walter, drove elbows into his head before putting him in a sleeper hold. Walter twice tried to break it by falling backwards onto him including once from the second rope. But Dragunov kept it locked in the entire time. Dragunov then let go of it, drilled him in the back of the head three different times, locked it in once more while lifting 300-pound Walter by the neck into the air. And Walter straight up tapped out on his feet. Chris, this was absolutely incredible. Unbelievable. That was a good one, yeah. Is such good shit. It was such good shit, dude. Match of the year. Yes, that's right. Not oh only, Chris, was it the match of the week, it is the easy front runner for match of the year. Yes, I know Will Ospreay and Shingo have done stuff in New Japan. I haven't seen it. You know why? Because New Japan, they haven't lost me as a fan. Like I still watch the big pay-per-views and I'm gonna watch the G1 but they have not done enough to get me to watch their product with any consistency. I'll eventually watch before the end of the year, the Osprey match and all that. Right now, out of every match I've seen in 2021, which has been every great match in North America, this is the match of the year. Dragunov fucking tapped Walter out on his feet in as brutal of a match as you will ever see. They somehow gave us a match better than their five-star classic from last October and then he stomped on his chest while celebrating like he toppled a giant which let's be honest chris he did what a sight what a fight what a night yes this was five stars it's an a plus by any measure with the longest reigning champion in wwe's modern era falling after 870 days it may even be over five stars i have to watch it again Chris, I want to end this damn show right now so I can watch it again, to be honest with you. I think when I go back, it's going to be over five stars. This is the best match of the week. It was one of the top three moments of the entire week. Absolutely, incontrovertibly incredible.
1: If Meltzer's allowed to go over five stars, we're allowed to go over five stars. Oh, we're I'm allowed. Giving, I, I'm, don't, I'm giving, I don't know that I'm I can. <laughs> I don't know how to, you know? I'm giving I'm giving the six stars. Like, and, and this is, again, I watched the match in October after you texted me and said, you have to watch this match. And it was a great match, but it was also in an empty building that you couldn't kind of ignore. So I was excited to see this with the crowd. Crowd was great. Added so much to it. They called back to the previous match that they had in, in many times. But the thing is, like, you didn't even need a long blood feud between these guys. Like, I don't watch NXT week to week. I know the basic story. Walter's this big giant who hasn't lost in two, three years. Drogonov's this smaller, scrappy dude. Like, that's the only story you need to know. And you just watch the way this plays out. Drogonov about damn near gets killed and gets keeps getting up, keeps getting... This, slapped the shit out of him. Walter's breaking, Walter's jumping off top ropes. Walter's doing all these awesome things because he is amazing too. Oh my God, I got to watch that match two, three more times by, by sometime this week. I got to find some time. Oh my God. If Folks, if you are listening to this and you didn't watch that match or you only saw some of it or you're wondering if you should watch the show, go back and watch that match. It was incredible.
0: It was a banger. And you know what? Ilya Dragunov. Not that big, doesn't matter. That was the definition of big meaty men slapping meat. <laughs> big meaty men slapping meat. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want. Emphasis on want the slap part. He don't want no bread. He don't. All he wants is meat. Meat.
1: There's a lot of beef
0: out here. There's a lot of beef out there. And yes, Chris, as you said, emphasis on the slapping part. If you didn't know what Walter's chop looks like or sounded like, or you've never seen it before, welcome. And if you just saw that match and have not seen their first one, like I I don't want to tell you to turn off the podcast, but as soon as the podcast is over, go watch that first match in October. NXT UK, it was a TV episode. You can go find the date somewhere else. It was absolutely incredible. We had a street fight pin
1: in this show. We have seen plenty of extreme rules type matches across uh North America this year, this was the most brutal match we have had this year. And it was a straight up normal wrestling match. Like just, oh my God, these guys beat the ever-loving shit out of each other.
0: And by the way, so I I tweeted this and I don't want to like drag on this topic, but just really quick. Like I know WWE does not call itself wrestling, right? And I know that the insult about WWE and Tony Khan tweeted it today is that uh, pro wrestling needs this and pro wrestling needs that. I don't care if WWE calls itself sports entertainment. It's a wrestling company. And you know what we saw this week across SummerSlam and NXT TakeOver? We saw a lot of great damn wrestling. We saw Edge and Seth Rollins. We saw Roman Reigns and John Cena, the Raw Women's Championship match. Damian Priest and Sheamus. Uh, Walter, obviously, and Isla Dragunov. Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly didn't love it, but it was still a really damn good wrestling match. And the next one I'm going to talk about, too, actually, both of the other two matches to come. Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai and LA Knight against Cameron Grimes were straight up wrestling matches. So you say what you will about WWE. The booking on Raw is absolute dog shit and the booking across both shows leaves a lot to be desired. There's no question that from a professional wrestling booking standpoint, in many cases, it is not very good, right? But they still put on high quality wrestling matches and I don't need tribalism out here telling me that this product that I watch that I enjoy differently than I enjoy AEW differently than I enjoy New Japan isn't real wrestling because plenty of real wrestling happened in the last 48 hours.
1: Yeah. I mean, even for Tony Khan's comment that wrestling has to have different types of stuff.
0: That's exactly what you got from WWE. WWE has the most diverse roster in professional wrestling. Period.
1: Yes. And, and, and match styles and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of crap we don't like, but there's a lot of crap, we a lot of not crap that yeah, we do there's, like. Yeah, there's
0: diversity in talent and diversity in wrestling style more in WWE than anywhere else. I mean, I will say that they don't really have the luchador style that I kind of wish they did that AEW definitely does have. So there are well, things, I mean, there's, there's many things that AEW has I that mean, WWE does not. But when you look at the company, the four brands that they have, and you can even reduce it to the three. There is so much different style of wrestling and talent. And I'm not just talking like uh, personality, small, big, black, white, you know, green, um, everything. Like the company is exceptionally diverse in the product offerings that it gives. The main product offering may not be everyone's taste. It doesn't mean that there's not good stuff happening there.
1: Yeah, sometimes you got to wade through a lot of crap to get to the good stuff, and that's what makes the good Sometimes stuff you got to be Andy
0: Dufresne the, when the, it comes to your, your
1: comment about not having Luchador style, there's not a lot of it, no, but they do have Rey Mysterio and his son out there doing some some type of
0: stuff. Oh, shoot, yeah, so. and when they put Lucha House Party on TV, and certainly yeah. uh, Legato Del Fantasma is Luchador style. I mean, I'm not saying they don't have it, but right, right, they don't just, put it forward the way right. AEW does. No, no they,
1: they don't, yeah. and, and a lot of that stuff is not emphasized as main event type stuff the way we would like it, but put this match on any WWE show and that crowd would be going crazy for it you like I said the story didn't have to be complicated it was little guy big guy and they told an incredible story with this that was that was that was pro wrestling as an art form that was a transcendent match uh, and and even the, the AEW stands I know on Twitter had to uh,
0: had to appreciate that one from the ones
1: I saw that actually watched the show.
0: All right. let's talk. I went off on a rant. Uh, You added to it. Let's move on. I told you I wanted a 45-minute limit on this show. Let's try to keep to that or maybe under 50 and talk about uh, the rest of what went down. We had the Women's Championship Raquel Gonzalez against Dakota Kai. Gonzalez hit three fallaway slams, including one picking Kai off the top rope. Kai got some offense and tried to counter the Chingoa bomb, but Gonzalez flung her headfirst into the middle turnbuckle. Then Gonzalez countered a potential stretch muffler into a sit-down powerbomb in a great spot. Gonzalez mocked Kai after she booted her in the face, but Dakota immediately came back with a chiropractor for a near fall. Kai again countered Raquel's finisher and hit a coup de gras for a 2.5 count. Kai trapped Gonzalez's head and hit a pump kick, but Gonzalez grabbed her on a second attempt, lifted her from the ground up to the top rope and hit an avalanche chingo a bomb for the one, two, three to retain the title. This was an absolute banger, Chris. By any measure, it was smartly booked. There was tremendous wrestling. Again, a late run for Kai that made you think she might actually win and a decisive finish for the reigning champion. Gonzalez was the right booking, but Kai, in my opinion, has to move to the main roster after this, preferably on Raw, which badly needs female talent. This thing completely delivered. I went 4.25 stars and an A for the women. I actually loved this match. I'd give it the same. I, I... I was not. I have not been super
1: high on Raquel Gonzalez, but she was great in this. Both of them were great. This was blew away my expectations for this match. Really enjoyed all of it. Don't really have any complaints. I don't have a ton more to no, say. No, it was than great. Other than, other than it was just a really good job by everybody involved, and everybody
0: involved should feel really good about what they did. And then after the match, music hit, and Kaylee Ray made her debut in NXT US. This was a huge surprise to me. She's the longest reigning NXT UK women's champion at 649 days. And I could have sworn when she left, she, when she lost the title to Mako Satomura, uh, that she was gonna debut directly on the main roster because she is ready for the main roster. Maybe this is a greater indication that Kai or maybe even others are headed up, but I'm excited to see her more frequently, whether it's on WWE or whether it's in NXT. This is a great move for a great division. And I could definitely see her being the one to take the title off for Kel Gonzalez. I don't know if or when that'll happen, but I could certainly see it. I'm assuming you don't know much about Kaylee Ray and I can go on. Is that true? I do not. Okay. So let's just keep going. Uh, million dollar championship. Saving LA- the
1: best for last year, boys. <laughs> LA, Knight's LA Knight. LA
0: defending against Cameron Grimes with a stipulation that if Cameron Grimes lost, Ted DiBiase would become LA Knight's butler. This did open the show, as you just said. Again, I thought the NXT UK Championship was going to open the show. And in retrospect, before we even get into the match, Chris, very briefly, I thought it should have opened the show because of how great it was and how impossible it was for anything else to follow it.
1: Yeah, Cole and O'Reilly going after that was really unfair to them. And that probably shaped our view of the match as well because we were coming off of that UK match.
0: For sure. Okay, so in this match, uh, during his entrance, Grimes removed and literally trashed his butler attire. And he revealed a black sequin vest with a gold collar and tights that resembled exactly what the million dollar man Ted DiBiase used to wear for his jacket, if you remember it, and the tights he used to wear with the dollar signs on the sides. That was such a nice touch. I loved that. Uh, DiBiase flung Grimes via an Irish whip into Knight outside the ring into the steps. Knight hit a flying bulldog and an inverted attitude adjustment but Grimes came back with the Spanish crossbody, which I love for a near fall. Knight sprung to the top rope and nailed Grimes with an avalanche release German suplex in a very sick spot. Grimes locked in the million dollar dream and it took Knight forever to escape, but he definitely did. Knight grabbed the belt, but got knocked outside the ring. And Dibiasi gave him the classic uh, former wrestler who's a manager, stop a punch and then deliver a punch type of move. Then he distracted the referee with the title and put Knight in the million-dollar dream outside the ring himself. He rolled him back in. Grimes capitalized with the cave and fell on to Knight for the 1-2-3 to win the million-dollar championship. Everyone involved in this match, from Grimes to Knight to DiBiase yes. to the referee, I believe Asia Smith, all of them did a fantastic job. I'd have liked to have seen Grimes beat Knight without as much help from DiBiase in the final moments, but it completely worked in storyline and the match was super, super fun. It was a hot opener. It popped the crowd huge and it came off like a classic professional wrestling angle from like the 1980s or early 1990s. I gave it 3.75 stars and a B plus and that's not a negative in any way. I could easily go to four stars and an A minus for it. It was the best match of the series. It was LA Knight's best match thus far in NXT.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean I mean we know Cameron Grimes can go. That that's no doubt whatsoever. But LA Knight showed something here in his wrestling ability too. He 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 definitely more than held his own in this match. Yeah, like he said the whole I, I like the story the whole way around because it was exactly what you said. It was like those old nineteen eighties classic stories, someone loses they're the butler, then they're gonna then they're, they're gonna get the comeuppance at the end and and, and DBSI being involved made sense. It was just classic fundamental storytelling, got us to the end we were always gonna get to. And it was just a lot of fun. I I mean, I really enjoyed everybody involved in this throughout the whole story. I liked LA Knights work. Uh, he, it was, so you were very much not an LA Knight guy. I still like the name. I like Eli Drake. The name is terrible. Oh my God. It's a a bad name, but you were really, really down on him because he was kind of floundering. And then he gets this feud, which goes right to his strengths, which is, cocky rich guy that's like that's his whole gimmick essentially you built the feud around that and it sh- highlights his strengths you have a, a guy like Cameron Grimes who does a great job as the underdog you throw in the million dollar man and it worked wonderfully so I, 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 I'm I with you that I, I hope they move on to different things now but I think that showed why I'm, I've always liked Eli Drake LA Knight and why I think honestly why I think he fits more on the main roster than NXT because he's a good Mike guy. And I think he'd be someone who would fit in terms of what they typically emphasize on the main roster. I don't know what happens to him next after this, but this is a lot of fun and I'm glad you slowly
0: started to kind of come around on the, on the LA night or whatever. I am. I'm coming around to him. I'm not there. I'm not all the way there. Um, but he has definitely put his best foot forward recently as part of this feud. We will see now what happens with this over, I want to say, since I did shout out Asia Smith, we we just screamed, honestly, about how good Walter Isla Dragunov was. Jessica Carr was the referee for that match and did an impeccable job as well. So mm-hmm. I want to give her a shout out also. Lastly, I'm just going to run through this, Chris, really quick. Uh, Ridge Holland faced Trey Baxter on the kickoff show. Holland squashed him in two minutes and called out Timothy Thatcher ahead of their match on NXT TV. That was all that really happened here, but it was another instance of Holland looking like an absolute beast, and I'm really glad he's back. We also got Legato Del Fantasma cutting a promo ahead of their six-man tag team match with Hit Row on Tuesday. So that is how the show wrapped up. Now, with us wrapping up this incident analysis, let's talk post-show grades because those are even more important than pre-show grades. So just a reminder, the pre-show grades, I'm scrolling up, 55A33B11. C, the post show, It still have some time left, but I'm just gonna, you know, call it right now. 67% A, 28% B, 4% C, 0%, I'm sorry, 0.8% D to F, which again, I mean, that's just a joke, right? Uh, So look, 67% of the respondents said this was an A, Chris. I always let you go first here in the post show grades. What did you think of NXT TakeOver 36? Ah, I'm
1: so, I'm so close between A- and A. I gave Money in the Bank an A. Being there in person played a role. Everything felt huge. Typically with these Capital Wrestling Center takeovers, they feel small. But everything on this show was good. Honestly, the, the thing I probably liked the least was the Cole O'Reilly match, and that wasn't bad by any means. You, you, you take that.
0: I would agree, you, just to cl- cut you off really quick, yeah. I agree that I liked it the least. It wasn't the "quote unquote" lowest-rated match, but I liked it the least out of anything on the show.
1: Yeah. Now expectations play a role going in, right? This Expectation versus that. reality. Yeah. Yeah. And so you throw in what we both think is the match of the year. I, I don't want to say A because it's not like a show I'm going to remember forever. So I guess I'll say A minus. But I even feel
0: bad doing that. (laughs) Well, this is what I'll say. Let me give you mine and then maybe it'll clarify it for you. Okay. So I wanted, and I almost, after the NXT UK match, I said, and again, we're working from the bottom up. I said, oh my God, the way the rest of this card exists, this is going to be an A plus pay-per-view. I really thought I was going to go there. But the last two matches, it just didn't live up to that. In order to have... In A-plus pay-per-view that you're basically saying a perfect show. And the right. only way you can do that is with at least two A-plus matches. We yeah. didn't have that here. So no. that's out of the window. And I look at everything that surrounded the NXT UK match, which again, match of the year, match of the night, not even a question. And just kind of going through my grades again, 3.75, 4.25, five stars, plus, uh, four stars and 3.75 stars. My lowest grade on the entire show is a B+. So there's really no way that I can go anything below an A just based on averages. And yes, this is a show I'm going to remember. I don't think it was the best NXT TakeOver of all time, but we've had A-plus NXT TakeOvers. We had yep. TakeOver New Orleans, which was just the, the most insane show, top to bottom, I think I've ever seen in my life, one of them. And there's been at least five or six takeovers, takeovers that have been like that. What I can tell you definitively is this is the best takeover we've had in months, maybe a year. Like it's it may be the best takeover of the pandemic era. I need to go back and look and try to remind myself if that's true. It was absolutely an incredible show. I actually believe grading it in A- minus is doing it an injustice because <laughs> there was no low part on the entire no. card whatsoever. And if you only took the Adam Cole Kylo Riley match as just the street fight portion, you probably would have graded that match higher because it was exceedingly exciting that second fall. So I'm at an A, flat A, better than SummerSlam last night. That's where I stand. Let me know if you want to revise or anything like that.
1: Yeah, I just I try to think on a five on essentially a five match card. Are there two moments that stand out as unbelievable? We We had one. Is there a second unbelievable moment? I, I I don't know. I I don't think Joe winning is that. I don't think LA Knight Cameron Grimes is that. So I'm, I'm. St- if you're going to be a five match card, it, it, it makes it tougher. I'm going to stick with a minus. But this is also coming from someone who doesn't watch NXT all the time. And like the women's match feud story meant nothing to me because I don't really pay attention to it. If I had watched it all week, I can I can totally understand why why you graded the way you
0: do. Yeah, it. I think that does factor into it because there was a best friend breakup storyline in the women's match, and honestly, I'm just so happy to see Karrion and Cross out of NXT. And oh, I'm by, really, by the way, and, and I'm really happy by the yeah. way to see Samoa Joe win the title and be back wrestling. So like, yes. those things meant a lot. Yeah, to me. yeah, that's Joe Joe just being back and winning. That that's true. And look One good. Thing, he looked great.
1: Yeah, I I saw a video on Twitter post-show in NXT. The crowd was singing na 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 hey, hey goodbye to carrying cross and then they start chanting hardy at him which was a nice touch and it honestly tells me that maybe they do have something with the carrying cross jeff hardy feud if if that opening oh, loss God. is becoming it if that's becoming a defining characteristic for carrying cross maybe they're maybe that's maybe they are going to tell a good story with that No, I he's already know, shit maybe...
0: on him twice that shit's over i mean yeah
1: I, I i don't know i don't know but um that was funny but uh yeah I'm not as connected to Joe as you are. Like I said, I haven't I didn't see the buildup of the cross feud. I was really excited for it, but I just didn't feel it week to week. Had I, I probably
0: would be feeling the same way. All right. So those are our post show grades. I'm at an A. Chris is at an A minus. You all, you know, I I think you're at an A. I'd really have to do the math on this poll, but you guys are at an A or an A minus also um, because we don't have a way for anyone to say A plus. I assume no one did. Uh, But look, it was great. Um, I'd love to read some of your comments from TakeOver. I know you guys DM'd us and tweeted us a lot of stuff during the show, just like you did during SummerSlam. Look, we've done six shows, like I said, in four days. I am absolutely exhausted. I barely slept last night. Chris, I know, is tired. We have college football season, both of us, coming up. This is what we're going to do. On Tuesday, during our WWE show, which we will cover Raw for better or worse, All the fallout that we need to discuss from SummerSlam. We will read your DM slides and your tweet questions on the air in a segment. Uh, Or we'll mix them throughout the show. I have no idea. It's too late for me to figure out Tuesday's show. I'm just scrambled right now. Uh, But the point is, we will read your tweets and DMs on the show. We'll answer them. That's how we'll fill out the Tuesday show. We will come back on Thursday talking the rest of AEW Rampage outside of the CM Punk stuff. Plus... The NXT that we get on Tuesday plus AEW Dynamite on Wednesday. It's going to be a loaded show on Thursday. And that's it. A two show week for the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. Yay! I get to sleep in. I'm very excited. You guys know I love doing the show for you. Chris loves doing the show. We're just beat up right now. We're very, very tired. We're beat up like Island Rogan. We are, yes. Our, our chest is red with blood blisters. But we're still going and we're toppling the Giants. That's the goal here at the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. So we're going to close out the show this way. A reminder to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. A reminder that Getting Over... We're all about the five. We want those five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts, please. It really, really helps the show. And that's about it. We'll see you on Tuesday. We'll see you again on Thursday for Vintage Crispinini. This is the Silver King Adam Silverstein. And I got just three words left for you. Bye for now.